First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who rejoice in the stories of changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Learn more at febc.org. came to my mind to write about people in the Bible who, who had real encounters with Jesus, and most of these people are nameless. Bunyan would be the first one to point to God, but we can point to the way that God gave him gifts and abilities that led to a great masterwork. Two friends join us now for First Person, actually three by counting my co-host today, Michael Card. I'll explain how this is all going to work in just a moment as you join with us for this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. For more about what you'll hear in a few moments, go online to firstpersoninterview.com. In addition to this program and other radio programs I host, I'm also part of a weekly podcast with my friend Michael Card, who is a songwriter, a singer, and Bible teacher. I'll put a link to our In the Studio podcast at firstpersoninterview.com. Each week, Michael and I talk with guests who intersect with Michael's world, and we're going to hear from two of them today. Later, author Kevin Belmonte will join us to talk about John Bunyan's allegory, Pilgrim's Progress. But first, we turn to a new friend who joined us online from Egypt recently. Michael and I talk with Kareem Joseph, the author of The Encounters. Kareem is a Jesus follower who is a relatively new author and has his own interesting story to tell. I, I serve in, in my church uh, in the youth meeting. I'm, I'm actually an engineer, um, and then I, I, I made uh, I, I, I got my MBA from here also from 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 Egypt. And in the process, I was the founder and owner of uh, Vine Bookstore, which was the first wow. online Christian bookstore in Egypt. Yeah, huh. we we carried books and CDs and and many and gifts and many things. This business ran from 2008 until 2019. Okay. But the currency exchange and and uh, the, the prices went skyrocketing. Actually, so. Uh, I, I couldn't sustain it more than yeah. this. It went the way of all bookstores, it seems, these days, right? Yeah. <laughs> wow. And then I'm a math teacher now. When did you turn to writing books? I mean, you've you've accomplished so much in life, and, and yeah. uh, writing books, I mean, that's that's a whole other thing. Yes, and I never, ever dreamt of, of writing a book. Never. Four years ago, um, I was just reading a passage in the Bible, very normal, And then uh, I thought of, I liked it, and I thought of, okay, well, how about a, a small Bible study in it? Something, just writing my remarks, my comments about it. And this very short paragraph in the Bible, it took me three years writing it. Oh, and wow. I was, wow. yeah, this was for me like an eye-opening, like God is... Um, just showing me how the Bible is related to each other and how a very small paragraph in the Old Testament is speaking a lot about Jesus, speaking about, a lot about my, my life with Jesus. So mm-hmm. I ended up writing like more than 200 pages and I thought of, you know what, I've been writing for three years. How about wow. I try to publish it? <laughs> uh, That and sounds then, very much like Michael Carr to take a, a passage of scripture and just to dig deep, Michael. It sounds like you. Well, I, 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 when I hear you describing the process, I totally understand what happens. There's a passage and you just fall in love with it and you start digging and getting deeper and deeper. And then you write 200 pages 
and you feel like you barely scratch the surface. Uh, am I yes. right? Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember sometimes I, I, I just pray and, and, and I ask God, okay, God, is there any, any other paragraph in the Bible I'm going to read about? <laughs> <laughs> this one only, but it, it, as Michael said, I keep digging and digging and digging and I, 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 I really, it, it's wonderful. Yeah. So this was yeah, my first book actually uh, about the cities of refuge in the Old Testament okay. and how they are relating to our lives uh, w- w- with Jesus and how each city like reflects uh, uh, things that Jesus did for our lives. Wow. Wow. Well, and we are the beneficiaries of, of, of that from both of you. So thank you yeah. for doing yeah. that. Now, your latest book is called The Encounters. And that's uh, writing about the encounters that people had, individuals had with Jesus. So well, yes. let's talk about that. How did I write it? Part of it, actually, I, I can relate to Michael in it uh, because uh, I remember, you know, I, I like the, the style of Michael's songs. And I remember the first song I ever heard to Michael. And it, it was a, a very short, of course, it was a cassette tape, actually. Not mm-hmm. a CD. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my friends gave it to me. And one of the songs was the song of Gomer. And oh, I, yes. I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it. <clears throat> and then I, I began to hearing more and more. Um, so, and then I began to, to, to love everything. So, and I began mm-hmm. to, to buy many CDs. Uh, uh, so I, I like this style of m- music and songs about uh, like a story in the Bible and I'm turning it into a song. So, I guess it gives me a new vision. So mm-hmm. one of the, the things that I was going to write about uh, was, um, I, I wrote, it came to my mind to write about encounters with Jesus, people in the Bible who, who, who had real encounters with Jesus. And most of these people are nameless. We don't know even their names, like the madman in the grave or like the prostitute or like the thief on the cross beside Jesus. We don't know their names. We know very little about them, but the encounters with Jesus was very profound and the change in their lives was, was really you know, like shocking. So, uh, and I thought about uh, how about I write it in a different way, like a narrative way, like if they were speaking their story, how will they tell, tell it? So the first one was the mad one actually. And then it came popping and uh, so after each uh, encounter, I decided to put like the lyrics of a song. Uh, so I actually, I used um, like four of Michael's uh, songs. One of them is the, the Forgiving Eyes, for, because this is the, the, the lady, the prostitute mm-hmm. lady, when Jesus forgave mm-hmm. her. Uh, one of them is hope, the, the, the encounter of hopeless. Uh, I, I got, is it all over now? when Mariam went to the grave and she saw that Halas, it, it's done and Jesus is dead and nothing. So she felt hopeless. And I, I guess many of us uh, can feel hopeless in, in, in one way or another, on, on one point or another in our lives. Um, maybe we lost uh, somebody who's dear to us. Maybe we failed. Maybe we sinned. So I, I feel hopeless. But the song was very powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I actually I used four of Michael's songs in, 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 in four different encounters out of the seven. And also in the introduction, I used the song, which is come lift up your sorrows, because one of the sentences was uh, he is waiting for you. 
Mm-hmm. And I believe that this is the, the, the essence of my book, that God is waiting for you for an encounter. So this Beautiful. Ah. That God is waiting uh, for each one of us to have a deep encounter with him. So in, in the same sense, so in the same sense as those uh, 40-some-odd people, uh, nameless people, uh, encountered Jesus, that's what you're anticipating. Yep. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. That's a very cool idea. And Someone I, should write a song about that. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, I wonder who could do that, huh, Kareem? Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> well, I, and I love the the form of the the narrative form that you've chosen to tell here. Um, th- th- that's that communicates to every generation, doesn't it? Yes, I, I guess so. Uh, it, it, it was very strange for me, actually. I'm not used. I'm not used to writing. I'm not a professional. That professional. I, I just. I wrote two books before. The second one was a very short one, and then this one. But I, I just felt it inside of me, and I, I just feel like ideas coming popping in my mind, and I'm just mm-hmm. writing them. Actually, the, the the second day I I finished this book and I published I published through Amazon. Because of course, uh, to publish it, I cannot publish it in 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 in, in Egypt. It's very expensive, mm-hmm. and in the states, the any publisher, they t- they told me either I must be an American uh, writer or I have an experience. So, uh, well, well, we'll 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 set them straight from here on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. Yeah, but but the yeah. next day I finished uh, actually this book on Amazon. I started the fourth one actually. So yeah. So it's just wow, popping wow. inside of my my mind. Are you working on anything now? Anything yeah. new? I, I started my fourth book actually, and I just made the layout. It's been in my mind for for quite a, a time now. So mm-hmm. good. Kareem, um, it's so wonderful to hear you talk about the creative process. We talk about this a lot here with Michael, and it was so refreshing to hear you talk about just following the Spirit's lead when these thoughts would come to you. That that's that was very refreshing for me to hear. I'm wondering, what what did you feel you learned about Jesus from uh, encountering these encounters in Scripture? What did you learn? One of the things for me, um, it's not it's not one encounter, ever. I guess mm. I need to encounter Jesus daily in my life, each day. Mm-hmm. So this is even my message, even to, to, to anybody who's going to read the book. I, I want this. There is a, a very strong encounter which will change your, your lives, like these seven people. That was like a life-changing encounter. But I guess I need to to. Ch- to, to see Jesus in my daily life, not just once. It's not just once in a life encounter, but it is something mm-hmm. is daily. It's a progress. Yeah. And I, I believe, yeah. I, I've been a believer since I was 16 years old, but these last couple of years have been amazing for me. Actually, I, I had covered a couple of years ago and it was extremely severe. I, I went to the hospital and I stayed there for like 24 nights. Oh, and it was, very, it was very, very severe. Wow. Mm-hmm. But the things that I learned and the encounters that I had with Jesus in these days were priceless, actually. So, wow. Learn more about Kareem Joseph at firstpersoninterview.com. 
In a moment, we'll talk with Kevin Belmonte on First Person. I'm Ed Cannon. The Far East Broadcasting Company partners with First Person because we celebrate the stories of people everywhere who have given their lives to Christ and serve Him. Our broadcasters in 50 countries of the world hear stories every day of people whose lives are transformed by the gospel and who have faithfully been taught God's Word. In addition to First Person, I'm pleased that Wayne and I host a podcast, and we invite you to join us. Listen to Until All Have Heard at febc.org. That's febc.org. Our next First Person guest from Michael Cart's podcast is Kevin Belmonte, one of our favorite authors who joined us to talk about John Bunyan. Well, Bunyan paid dearly, didn't he, for being a writer? Oh, he absolutely did. And I was just thinking about that, Mike, that, you know, if you think, well, how in the world did we end up with Pilgrim's Progress? Because he had pretty slender education, you know, a lot like Abraham Lincoln that way, maybe a, a year or two at most. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had that gift that an artist has that I think was sort of a carryover from his work in the smithy. He did metal work for a living. Mm-hmm. He was a tinker or brazier, to use the term. And I think somehow fashioning words to carry the metaphor over, became a big part of who he was. And in the crucible of his imprisonment for 12 years, Mm. he had endured so much before that imprisonment. I mean, he'd fought in the Civil Wars on the side of Cromwell's army. He knew what it was to see people fall in battle, to know all the hardships and privations of war, his own spiritual struggle. All these things, when he had time in prison because he couldn't do anything else, you know, as a prisoner of conscience, he had time to reflect and to think. Somehow all of that poured into what we have as Pilgrim's Progress. And D.L. Moody said something once that really caught my attention. He said, you know, if I have a hunch that if John Bunyan thanks God for anything, it was that time in prison, because without it we wouldn't have the Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, my goodness. I've never heard that before, Kevin. Uh, in your research for the legacy of Pilgrim's Progress, what else did you learn about Bunyan that we we should know as we encounter the book today? Mm. Well, I think one of the things that stands out to me is just how long his spiritual transformation took. And I'm indebted to so many scholars who have invested a lifetime in thinking about dates and chronologies and just how that process unfolded. It's something he describes in another of his books called Grace Abounding, And sometimes that's a little hard to follow because the narrative goes back and forth so many times between a place of near comfort or peace and then other moments of spiritual despair, the dark night of the soul kind of thing. But the best information we have is that that spiritual transformation took from seven to eight years, from about 1650 to 1657 or eight. And finally, through the influence of John Gifford, the man who was immortalized as evangelist in the book, uh, that uh, transformation it was brought to a climax. But I, I think about that. You know, so many times I think we're tempted to think about a road of Damascus experience, something that seems sort of instantaneous. Mm-hmm. But in Bunyan's case, it really took a long time. There were fits and false starts and times when he thought he might have reached the hopeful shore, as it were, Uh, and then there were other times where he just really had to wrestle. But in the person of John Gifford, I I think his debt to that man, who, as I say, became evangelist in the Pilgrim's Progress, was so great. And the thing about it that's remarkable is John Gifford was on the other side of that British Civil War. He was a royalist sympathizer. Oh, okay. 
So here's a coming together of two former enemies. Gifford had had a wonderful conversion experience, became a vibrant Christian. And I've often wondered if it wasn't from the, the vantage point of their shared experience in the crucible of war that John Gifford was able to speak in a way that spoke to John Bunyan's heart uh, in a way that no one else could. And so it's one of those beautiful ironies that a former enemy became the, the instrument God used to help bring him to faith. The thing I'm wondering is, uh, Kevin, you are, in this book, you're sort of reintroducing a whole new generation to this to this book. And sometimes I feel like uh, uh, Pilgrim's Progress has just been sort of allocated to the classics. And what that means is... I. I'm probably not going to get around to reading those. Yeah, but uh, but your your book uh, it, it encouraged me to go back and and find the richness of this book that's changed. I mean, it's in 200 different translations. I mean, come on, that's it's, right. It's a, it's, a, it's an important work. You know, in writing the book, you're exactly right. What I wanted to try and do is reintroduce people to the book and, and discover the why behind it all. It might be a title or a name, perhaps in, in Bunyan's surname, that we're familiar with. And as you say, it might be one of those books that's there on our shelves, and we wonder if we'll ever get around to reading it. It's one of those things you like to have on the shelf. But why should we take it down from the shelf and look through it? And so I had been reading Simon Winchester's book, The Meaning of Everything, which was the story of the Oxford English Dictionary. Yes, oh, yes. great book. Yeah, Michael, you're the one that told me about that book. Uh, it's a great book. So I uh, reading that book and, and hearing him describe the wonderful celebratory dinner in 1928, when the OED was nearing the finish line, and they invited all these VIPs to be there, and that scene caught my eye, and I thought, ha, that's the hook for my book, this book I've been contemplating about Bunyan. What would it be like if you could suspend the limits of space and time and invite all the famous people down through the years who have a debt to John Bunyan in that book, what would that celebratory dinner look like? And if they stood to raise a glass in Bunyan's honor, what would they say by way of a toast? And I just dipped into the writings of so many famous men and women, politicians, literary people, I mean, you name it, a who's who of people. And that's the prologue for the book. And that was the way to sort of commend the book and say, look, all of these meaningful, important figures in our culture uh, in our political leadership circles, have found a debt of gratitude to the book. It helped shape not only their sense of writing, but their moral imagination and to guide their journey through life. Maybe that's sort of the jumping-off point, the starting point, for an exploration of the amazing process that led to the writing of Pilgrim's Progress. So I thought, if I can do that and capture readers' attention with a nod to Simon Winchester's work, maybe we can do that. Let me ask a very basic question. Why has this book endured through the generations? Mm. Wow, that is a big question. <laughs> I think there are several reasons, probably three that I could point to. One, it's just beautifully written. And here I would commend C.S. Lewis's essay. It's a brilliant essay called The Vision of John Bunyan. And he just talks about the beauty of the language and how... It was just so profoundly new. I mean, helped influence the development of the 18th century novel, just to cite one case in point. Wow. Many people think that, that the book is suffused with biblical language, and it is in a lot of places. But what Bunyan did was he took the common language, the vernacular, 
And as I say, you know, bear that image of the anvil and fashioning metal and hammering it out and making something beautiful, taking time over it. Uh, he was a craftsman. And Lewis, in this essay, just takes time to cite passage after passage of how beautifully crafted this language was. And of course, Lewis, this Oxford Don, had his you know, Ph.D. in literature. You might think he would have very little reason to feel such a debt to someone who only had a few years of formal education. But here he is, tipping his cap to Bunyan and just saying, you know, don't underestimate what a fine literary craftsman this person was. But then I think, look at the place that a book like The Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit has in our culture today. Well, if you turn the clock back to Bunyan's time, there was really no book that cast an adventure story in quite the same way that Bunyan did in that book. Hmm. And when you add to that the infusion of uh, biblical themes the idea of pilgrimage, which was just so resonant. I mean, even if people weren't especially Christian in their own personal commitment, everybody knew what the idea of a pilgrimage was. And the way that Lewis describes it, he says, you know, Bunyan was sitting in prison and he had an idea for a book, and he started sort of thinking about it and working it out. And in the midst of all that, another book began to call for his attention. And he thought about it, and as soon as he got caught up in the idea, two different things that had been very far apart in his mind and thinking came together in one very focused moment of inspiration. And one of them was the reading he did as a child of books called chapbooks. We still have the word, but it, it's basically a very brief book. We call them booklets today. But tinkers and peddlers used to bring these around, and they have all the great works of literature, um, things from history. When Bunyan had to leave school, these peddlers would bring these chapbooks around to where he was growing up. He would had to leave school, but his life of the mind, his life of the imagination could continue. He could read stories of St. George and the Dragon. He could read stories of the knight called Sir Bevis and his adventures. Somehow in prison, those memories that had been sort of off on the back burner for a number of years came to the fore, and then he was thinking about themes from Scripture, and there was this union of the two that came together and gave us the Pilgrim's Progress, and Lewis was absolutely at a loss for words in trying to describe that whole process, so he read what Bunyan said, and he said, suddenly as I had my method, it was like a string, and I pulled at it, and as I pulled at it, it came. And Lewis just stepped back in his essay and said, it came. I don't think we'll know any more about the process of inspiration than those two monosyllables have to tell us. (laughs) I think that in the crucible of his personal experience as a prisoner of conscience for sharing the faith, God gave him a blessing unlooked for. That conversation with author Kevin Belmonte and Michael Card was taken from Michael's weekly In the Studio podcast, and we'll put a link to Kevin's book about John Bunyan and a link to Michael's podcast at firstpersoninterview.com. My thanks to Michael and producer Joe Carlson for making these interviews available to us. With so many millions of people suffering persecution in today's world, it's often hard to know how to respond. One way we can help is to make sure that the radio broadcasts and internet programs offered by the Far East Broadcasting Company continue to voice the gospel in these countries. For instance, listeners in China and even North Korea are able to tune in to FEBC. Won't you take time to learn more about this by visiting febc.org. Again, febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, 
I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening to First Person. <laughs>